Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the latest edition of the Gelsnet podcast, hosted by myself, Craig Gray, where we're going to be reviewing yesterday's match against Mullerwell. Just a little bit of, um, of apologies before we start. Obviously, we were um, due to be going on last night, but because of unforeseen circumstances, we've had to put it forward today. But we are here in the end, and that's all that matters. Um, joined here tonight um, in the um, the hot seat with Ross Bennett and Ian Duff. I believe, Ross, this is the first time that we've been on together, so um, hopefully you can survive the show by the end of it. Um, how are you doing? How are you doing this evening, mate? No, I'm very good. It's uh, it's a shame we don't have something more interesting to talk about than Rangers' trip to Motherwell, but uh, no, I'm looking forward to it. No, absolutely. And Ian Duff as well. I know we've been on a couple of times. How are you doing this evening? Yeah, not too bad. Only problem is I've had to think about this Motherwell game for another day, but it's... Uh... I hope to put it in my mind last night. I know, I know. It wasn't a good performance, as we will soon talk about. Um, but just before um, we get into it as well, of course, this is the Independent Rangers podcast made for fans, by fans, and all content is free over at www.gelsnet.co.uk, where you can go on and access the forum, articles, social media, this podcast, of course, and the history archive. Um, so thank you once again to our guests for joining us at home. And again, um, just another wee message from our sponsors before we go into it. Um, and that's our first one from Forest Precision Engineering. They're a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company who have been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for many years. And we're absolutely delighted that they're back in your podcast. You can get them over at forestprecisioneng.com. You can also visit the Forest Precision Engineering uh, Executive Lounge. That's a stunning new hospitality area within historic main stand at Ibrox. And for more information on how to book this unique and intimate space, you can email the club over at hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Well, as we mentioned there, um, we have to talk about that Motherwell game yesterday. Um, you know, it was a win. A win's a win. Having chips, as Emma Dodds um, likes to say sometimes, um, which I suppose is the most important thing. Um, but, Ross, I'll, I'll start with you. Obviously, it was a poor performance, but it was a massive win. I think one of the things that that I took away from it was probably just, again, the lack of identity regarding Gio's tactics and his playing style. Um, he's been the manager now for, for nearly a year, and to me, it has become a wee bit of a concern. Is it as much as a concern for you as it is for me and maybe other people? Yeah, I think, I think it is. And the reason I say that is when that team came out yesterday, just before lunchtime, I looked at it and went, oh, actually, he's he's gone with an incredibly dynamic attacking side, you know, Matondo and Tillman and Kent and Arfield. Um, that's a real departure from the, 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 the criticism and the complaints I've had of, of Gio up to this point in the season is, why is he playing two holding midfielders against SPFL Dross, right? So then he did actually exactly what I think myself and a lot of folk have been really crying out for him to do is get some pace on, get the ball down and run. He picks this really, really attacking lineup um, and nothing changed. In my opinion, absolutely nothing changed until the moment that Malik Tillman decided that he was just going to do it himself. Um, up until that point, actually, his end product had been really poor, but he, he goes and scores a, a really lovely goal. Um, so it is, it's concerning that it suggests that regardless of the style or of the tactical setup that Gio's going for at the moment, it doesn't seem to actually be having that much of an effect on the pitch. Now, I, I don't want to sort of jump to conclusions or, or, or read too much into that, but it worries me that therefore the players aren't buying into what he's telling them. Like if they're going out regardless of the setup, regardless of the instruction and they're doing the same thing and it looks as turgid and as boring and as stiff as it did yesterday, 
my concern is that the players are not buying into the information that they're getting from the manager, uh, that they're not necessarily playing for the manager. And that's that's possibly what worries me more because it, it, with, with players the calibre that we have, we will continue to pick up points. Um, it won't be pretty, but we, but we would do so. Um, but if the players aren't playing for the manager, then that gives me cause for concern. No, you've you've made a couple of good points there, and you know I, I think it is worrying. Um, as I say, how how tactically we, you know we, we hear that Jail sort of tactically fluid, which you know I think is a positive. But I think every manager needs to have his own style um, initially, and then you can be tactically fluid within that. Ian, how how about yourself? How, what did you make of the performance yesterday? And, and just touching on Jail's tactics there as well. Well, I mean the, the performance obviously was uh, flat to say the least. I mean it was. You know, it, it was a struggle to watch it, and it was a struggle for the seemingly for the players to, to get through it. Um, I suppose the question, well, I suppose the question is: is it, is it the players themselves who are the problem, or is it the the management and and the tactics they are taking, uh, or is it a combination of both? I mean, that's probably where the where, where the biggest problem lies. You know, maybe the, the, as as Ross says, the the manager's uh, vision is not getting. Uh, taken on by the players and they're not following the instructions or they're not able to follow the instructions in, in some way. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think I'm at, I'm at a sort of stage with, uh, with Gio. I mean, I, I wasn't a massive uh, fan of his before he, he came out. I, I wasn't uh, hugely enamored of the idea of him being the manager, to be honest. Uh, I had some doubts about it and, you know, that, that's, I don't want to sort of be one of these I told you so, but I mean, that, that is kind of how it's panned out a little bit uh, to some extent. I mean, last season obviously was uh, in Europe anyway, was was good. Um, but, you know, that almost disguised the sort of big, the bigger issues. And I, I just wonder now whether he's, you know, got the appetite to to keep, you know, to keep battling for, for, uh, for to get the players on side and to, to come up with the, uh, the approach that needs to be to, to uh, Turn things around a bit. I mean, the, the you know, to be fair, we're we're sitting two points behind at the moment, and we're not out of sight by any stretch of the imagination. But you could all, almost argue that's a case to say, well, now's the time to make the change because before it gets too late. But yeah, I mean, it's obviously a concern the way the way the games are going, and you know, with the European uh, games as well, uh, the, the overall context is uh, is pretty worrying. Yeah, I, th- I think certainly in terms of the performances and the, it, it just seems a lot of the time like the timidness of the players, you know, especially your, your forward-thinking ones. Um, Arfield recently, for whatever reason, has been very, very poor. I know I know a lot of people had maybe concerns about him getting a new contract. I think, to be honest, when you think about it, the fact that we never signed a, you know, what you would deem a, a sort of proper midfielder in the summer um, and all the injuries that we've got kind of means that looking back, you know, if we never even had our food there, then what, what else would we be playing? Um, but he's actually started, I think, the last four games now, which, you know, I think when you're relying on a player at his stage in, in his career to, to sort of play the last four games in the high intensity um, that they were going to be at, I, I think it's also a concern as well. We definitely need reinforcements, I think. The question is, you know, what what are those reinforcements going to be? I think as, as well, obviously, you touched on it, Ian, about um, domestically anyway. Whilst, yes, the performances haven't been great, we're still in a pretty decent position. You know, if I've got my positive hat on, I'm thinking that we're, we're one game away from being top of the league. But if you reverse that, 
we're also one game away from probably a disaster. And I, I, I did kind of worry that when we were five points behind a month or so ago, that if it did hit any more than five with the goal difference at Celtic had, for me, I thought it would have been you know critical um, in, in this title race anyway. I mean, Ross, what, what's your thoughts on the manager sort of going forward? Do, do you think that, that he is the right man to, to keep the job going forward, certainly, for the, for the rest of the season? I, I, honestly, personally, no, I don't. Um, but replacing him now would be a very un-Rangers thing to do. Rangers, throughout the history of the club, uh, are famous for having a low number of managers, a comparatively low number of managers. Um, we are a, a club that gives managers time and, and, and loyalty, I suppose, in, in a lot of respects. So I don't see, as we continue to pick up points, I don't see any changes happening. And I think um, I, I think it would also actually put more pressure on the board if they were to make that decision. The board is clearly under pressure anyway, and, and there's a lot of discontent. Um, whether that's rightly placed miscontent or not, there's there's criticism being levelled at the likes of um, Ross Wilson, Douglas Park, Robertson, even James Bisgrove, right? Um and I think getting rid of the manager now probably heaps more pressure onto certain individuals because it, it looks like they've hired the wrong guy 12 months ago and now they've got an even bigger decision to make about who would you go for next. Um, but but that being said, and it's easy for me to say this because I've got absolutely nothing to do with it, um, I don't see the roadmap for this improving at the moment. Um, now clearly we had go back to before the Liverpool game we had two very good results two four nils in a row um, against decent sides you know Hearts uh, one of the better sides in the league in St Mirren um, in very very good form for, for uh, compared to their sort of recent history this season they are they're doing really well so two four nils in a row that in a way were uncharacteristic for us this season they were out of character the, the, the victory against Motherwell yesterday is unfortunately really typical of the style of performance that we've been putting in this season um i'll admit i'm also i'm very hurt and wounded by what happened on wednesday uh last week that um it was it was embarrassing it was gutting to watch i i drove up from london at nine o'clock on wednesday morning um i watched the game at ibrooks and i had a meeting back down in london at one o'clock so i was back in the car at 4 30 a.m um so to do all of that and and watch us lose seven one that stung a lot. Um, so personally, I feel quite bitter towards our management, to be honest, at, at, at this point. So I don't see things changing. I see Gio trying to tweak tactically. I see Gio trying different players. He still, I think you alluded to it a moment ago, still doesn't seem to know his best side. He still doesn't seem to know if it's Matondo or Tillman or Scott Wright or Fashion Sakala. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think any of them have really shown themselves to be worthy of a, a Rangers starting spot week in, week out. Um, much the same could probably be said about Ryan Kent as well. Um, so he still doesn't really know who he wants to play. There still doesn't seem to be a defined style, uh, regardless of, of the of the tactical setup. So th that's what worries me the most. I don't see how it changes without changing the manager. And yet I feel that pushes the board into a really, really uncomfortable position. Yeah, I think I think what you've, what you've just mentioned there, Ross, I think that shows the dedication of, of a lot of Rangers fans, sort of the you know, the risks and the sacrifice that you're that you're willing to make, especially when you come and you see a government like that on Wednesday. So 
Um, I certainly wouldn't uh, wouldn't have wanted to be in your position um, coming back home sort of Wednesday night, Thursday morning. But um, I think in terms of the manager, look, he alluded to something after the Dundee United game, which I thought was very interesting because you know, obviously after the Dundee United game, the mood, uh, the mood and the pressure as well was really, really sort of, they genuinely thought he could have been out the door. Uh, maybe not thought that he could have been out the door, but there was people that were maybe going, well, I personally don't know if this is the man to take us forward anymore. Um, but Gio did say in that interview, like, obviously they were holding on towards the end. He went, last season, those are the type of games that we either lost or we drew. And off the top of my head, I kind of thought, well, that's actually a good point. You know, you think about it last season, we lost the league by four points, three games that I can name off the top of my head. Ross County away, uh, Hearts at home, even though that was under Gerrard. Um, and Mullerwell at home, two games against Mullerwell at home. Um, you know, that's that's eight points. Um, and in all those games, we had leads that we couldn't we couldn't hold on to. Um, we kind of seen that happen this season again. Well, we're maybe struggling, you know, we've, we've been a couple of goals up and we've conceded one back, but we don't seem to be letting them go. I think the only goal that we've lost this season to, to do that really was in the Hibs game. But I do think there, there was... You know, genuine reasons for that. I think going down to nine men. I think Morelos is, um, you know, sending sending off. I think after that we were on a hiding to nothing, and I just think that goal was an inevitability. Um, and I, I just think we were bound to drop points that day. Um, the thing is, though, and I'll, I'll come on to you. I've seen, I've seen, well, probably worse Rangers teams go on and, and win leagues um, in really sort of dire and or inspiring fashions. I look at. Alec McLeish in 0405 when you know in my opinion Celtic's team was miles better than that than that Rangers team. But well, we got over the line in the end. I, I think even to, to Walter's second second spell that sort of last season where we, we had a really Fred Bell squad and still managed to do it. I do want to support the manager because I do think that he's I do think that he is capable of doing something like that. Because you know, I think with Gio, if you if you look and think about it. We'll go through a pretty barren spell for a while. Well, we might pick up results, but performances aren't great. But then, out of nowhere, out of the blue, he does something big. I think back to, you know, getting battered at Celtic Park. Two weeks later, you go go and beat Dortmund. I think the other game against Celtic at Ibrox, you lose that, and then you lose away to Braga, and then he beats Braga and Celtic in the space of a week. So, this man and this team are capable of those big performances, but it's just, at the moment, you're thinking... Where are those big performances going to come from? And you know, the only one going forward, I can maybe think is, is Europe. If he somehow manages to to get his third place in this group, which would be massive, but let's face it, the, the chances of that happening are highly, highly unlikely, aren't they? Well, I mean that you know, it's depending on his uh, getting a result in uh, Italy and uh, and beating Ajax at home. So, you know. What are the chances of that at the moment? I mean, like you say, I mean, you know, he's put, pulled these kind of results out of the bag before, but or, or, or similar. Um, but I, I think you know what you touched on there was, you know, was was quite telling because, what, you know, saying, you know, you can have a bad bad results, a, a series of bad results, and then suddenly you know pull out a couple of really standout results. That's not really good enough for for Rangers, to be honest. I mean, we, we need to be consistent. You know, you know, that's that's how uh, Walter Smith 
won the league when they had a, a pretty poor team. That's how Ali McLeish managed to win that league when, when we were, you know, scraping the barrel with some of the players that we had in the squad. You know, they, they had a belief and they had a they managed to pull, you know, consistent results out out the bag, and, and it wasn't just a you know sort of case of two or three games good and then and then we fall away again. You know, they just sort of managed to dig it out every week, and you know. Every week, you know, and, that, and that's that's what's got to be done, and that's the only way you, you can win a, a league in, in Scotland uh, when it's a two horse race. You can't afford to have uh, two or three weeks where where you're off form and you, you have poor results. You need to be winning every single every single game, and then it comes down to almost comes down to the uh, the, the, the old firm games uh, to basically decide it. Uh, and I know it's not quite as clear cut as that all the time, but it, you know that's essentially what it comes down to. So you need to win every week, and I don't see. I don't think he has that mentality or able to translate that mentality to the players to, to persuade them that that's what they need to do. They have to go out and they have to win every single game. Now, I mean, you know, maybe this season it's uh, it's improved uh, and we're not dropping points quite as, as much as we were last season, which we obviously did. I mean, you know, last season, you know, we went a, a period where we were conceding the first goal every single week. And that, again, was, you know... I mean, Gio actually turned that around and stopped that for for a while, and, and we were doing quite well at, at the start of his his tenure. But um, but you know, it just I just don't see it. I just don't see the that level of consistency. I don't see that level of uh, promise. And, and and you know, like Ross said, you know, it just doesn't seem like there's that, that sort of path ahead of us. I just I, you know, it, 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 it worries me that that's you know. That's the case, but I mean, I, you know, it just doesn't seem it. I'm not saying that. I, I'm not necessarily saying that I think he, he should go. If, if it happened, I don't think I would be devastated. But I'm not at this stage actively saying that he should be sacked. But you know, it, you know, you, you could you could argue that this is the time to do it. You know, this is you know where we're not out of sight. Where, where it's not a disaster yet. You know, if you think that there isn't a if, if the board think there isn't a, a, a plan ahead that, that is going to win the league, then now's the time to make the change rather than wait until it's too late. And, and, but, you know, I, I, again, I don't think that's likely to happen. Um, whether it should or not is another matter, but um, I don't think, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I think, I mean, in terms of Jay's position, I mean, I would like him to stay. I, I think I'm kind of, I'm, I'm maybe getting towards your levels now, Ian, where I'm kind of going slowly but surely well if he does go then he does go um, but you know I, I think in terms of realism the board will not sack Gio unless we have an unmitigating disaster and by the way I would count Wednesday if we do get knocked out which I'm sure we wouldn't but you know you need, you need to speak about it because it's, it's football it can happen I think if something bad was to happen on Wednesday I really could see could see a change happening just because I think this board aren't the type of people that that sort of make changes proactively. I think they do it very reactively. Um, and, you know, maybe if we did fall further behind in the league as well, then, and, you know, we couldn't get out of the group and the champions again, then, then something would happen as well. But um, I think the more games that we win, whether it's, you know, five nils every week or whether it's, you know, two one scrappy ones like yesterday, um, as long as we're winning every week, the guy, the guy's got a job as far as as far as I'm concerned. Um, more on the game yesterday, Ross. A, a player that I want to talk about is Malik Tillman. Um, you know, I, I thought yesterday was pretty pretty quiet, and then you know, he just it's like you put on a Maradona wig. It was what a goal that was, wasn't it? 
yeah, it was a it was a joy to watch. Um, his, I think I mentioned earlier, I felt that his end product had been quite poor in the first yeah. half. Um, there was one relatively early on, very clear opportunity that, that he should have taken and he kind of skied it well over the bar. Um, you know, we could talk about Tillman, say he's, he's raw, he's young, he needs to develop a little bit more. Um, all, all of those things are absolutely true. Um, whether that's with us or whether that's with Bayern Munich or, or it's elsewhere, I don't know. Um, but it was a it was a wonderful goal. Um, at the same time, and I, I, I don't want to sort of give too much credence to what they were saying on Sports Sound on, on BBC Scotland, they made the point that if you're the Motherwell manager, you know, there's there's five players there within touching distance of him. At some point, someone has to take the boy down, you know, and, and take a yellow card rather than concede a goal. So if I was a Motherwell fan, I would be furious to concede that goal. Um, as a Rangers fan, I see it as excellent close control. Um, and, and actually, he's done what not particularly tactically astute Scottish football fans like myself want, right? I'm, I'm not a real tactical genius or, or, or a whiz in that, sort of, that sense at all. And so I always say stupid things like, oh, get the ball down and run at them because they're, they're crap. Um, he actually did it. He got the ball down, he ran at defenders and they didn't know what to do. And he took on five of them and he didn't even, didn't really need to do much. He kind of just oh, ran in a straight line and, and, and well, that's by the by, it was good close control. It was good composure. It was a lovely finish. And it was um, a moment of magic that that didn't deserve to be in that game because that game was so dry and dull. Um, it was like we'd, we'd kind of imported that goal from Spain. And uh, I felt sorry for that goal having to be at Fir Park because it, it deserved better. But it kick-started us. We get a second a few minutes later and happy days. No, it was happy days indeed. And just a wee disclaimer, I, I will apologise to any Motherwell supporters um, that might be watching that, you know, maybe um, maybe, maybe would have liked a goal like that to be, in, to be in that game. But obviously, they would have preferred it for Motherwell. But I don't don't think many Motherwell players are, are capable of that, unfortunately, for them. But I mean, yeah, I thought, I thought it was a great goal. You, you do make a good point about the whole um, someone should just come in and basically take him out. Um, and I, I would be raging as well if I was a Motherwell manager. I think I think he might have touched on that after the game as well. A wee bit Stevie Hamill. But um, even in terms of moving forward with Tillman, he's kind of a wee bit like this Rangers team in a weird way because, you know, he is very quiet sometimes. He, you know, he doesn't play well, whatever. And then he pops up with magical moments at times. I'm thinking about his goal against USG that kind of kick-started the, the comeback. I'm thinking that goal yesterday. Even, I think, was it... I think it was a Kilmarnock game the, the start of the season that Ibrox were playing, playing poorly and he, he popped up again with a goal to, to give us a lead. I, I think he's been used you know, quite unfairly on the right a lot this season. You know, The one at Parkhead in particular was just a no-no for me. It kind of reminded me of the way that Jalo was put out there in that game in February and he was completely isolated. For me, he's a number 10. He should continue to get to play in that position, I think, going forward, especially with the amount of injuries that we've got to try and see the best of him. Well, how do you see him going forward? Yeah, I mean, he's, I don't think he's a winger. There's, there's no doubt about that. That's not, you know, he, he doesn't have that, uh, the skill set, I don't think, for that. Um, but, I mean, I, th- I find him a, a very frustrating player. And it might be down to the fact that it's his age and he's at that stage of development. Um, and, you know, maybe he will develop over the next few years into being a more consistent player but you know we really need them to be consistent you know playing maybe three or four 
good games in a row and then he maybe has a, an off game. Um, I don't think we're going to get that from him. Uh, certainly, certainly not this season anyway. And you know whether he'll be back again is is, uh, is a matter of uh, debate. I mean, I remember uh, you know after his first couple of games, people were saying, "Let's just pay the money now and we'll we'll, we'll take him." But uh, you know that that soon sort of died down a bit. But uh, but I mean, you know, he's a really good player. There's no doubt about it. Um, and you know that goal yesterday it almost made it even worse to, to see what he's capable of. And it was what, what was what I really enjoyed about that goal was the fact that he was willing to take responsibility. You know, so many players get the ball. First thing they want to do is, you know, find a find get, you know get rid of it. And I don't mean that in a good. You know, I don't mean you know passing on. I mean they want they don't want to take responsibility for the the, the ball. They don't want to you know have a go themselves. And you know that was good to see. You know, he just ran and. Instead of even looking to pass it, he, he had one thought in his mind, and that was to get forward into the box and, and get the ball in the net. And that, you know, that was great to see. He's obviously got the skills, but he's just at the early stage of his development still. And and you know, can we rely? Can we can we afford to have that kind of player in our in our team on a regular basis? And I don't, I don't think we can. Um, so it's either we get him playing consistently well every week, or you know. He, he's, he's a bit part player. I mean, that's that's the reality of it. No, absolutely. I, I think um, that that was a good segue. And what's going to be a next point anyway? When you're talking about um, players that are that are fully developed or, or need to be fully developed, but we're just going to do that after um, a latest message from another one of our sponsors, and that is Zenith Coins, who have got their official Rangers Club coin copy. Um, it's a nice little gift, um, and each gold plated coin has a unique serial number engraved on the outer rim. And it comes complete with a Rangers presentation box and certificate of authenticity. You can join Rangers legends and famous fans like Alan McCoy, Derek Johnson, Marvin Andrews, Tom Stoughton, sorry, Gordon Ramsay, to name a few, and get your own official Rangers Club coin. And the best part is we like to say is you can even get a wee bit of money off. You can get 10% off your purchase by using the code GN10. That's GN10, and you can save a wee bit of money on your Zenith coin. So, yeah, in terms of another couple of players in the squad that I wanted to talk about, James Tavenier, um, I think his performances lately have been poor. Um, however, I, I don't want to be sort of firing all cylinders and saying he's this and he's that, when I think it's quite clear to, to me and, and a lot of people that the guy's got an injury. Um, I think the problem with Tav is, is his position is a wee bit of, you know, a poison chalice in the sense that we need Tav to be fully fit because, you know, the only player that we've got sort of behind him is Adam Devine and it's either that we need to change the, the system completely although in fairness as I've been saying we probably don't know what this, the right system is anyway so that might not, um, not actually be a bad thing Ross what have you made a Tal's performances recently and you know do you think we maybe could be doing we drop them just not because he's been you know performing badly such but just because the guy needs a rest yeah uh, I'd certainly be disappointed to see him starting on uh, on Wednesday um, in, in the cup I think that that would be a, a, a really prime opportunity to give the guy a rest. I think it was really noticeable against Liverpool, where to get anything out of Liverpool, we needed guys like Tav to have a, a an 11 out of 10 evening. And um, he, he was almost conspicuous by his absence because our European runs of the last couple of years have been dominated not only by Morelos scoring a load of goals, but by Tav bombing up the right wing, getting into good positions and, and, and getting goals and assists himself. And that never once looked likely last week. 
So I, I agree with you, Craig. I think he's he's clearly picked up some kind of an injury. I think that something's not right there. Um, it's horrendous timing, of course, with, with Conor Goldson out for a, a prolonged period of time. But it does show that um, regardless of the manager, because it was the same same under Stephen Gerrard, it was probably the same under Mark Warburton, um, to have a successful Rangers side at the moment, we need a fit and firing James Tavernier. Um, and, and when we haven't got that, it leaves us really, really exposed. I think it, of course, it leaves us exposed at the back. He is first and foremost a defender, but it takes away one of our most potent creative attacking threats. Um, it's been a hallmark of this Rangers side for for many, many years now, is James Tavenier getting himself into advanced positions. Um, and if he's not fit enough to do so, or he's carrying a knock and it's not happening for him, it, it really fundamentally changes the way that we play. And, and you're right, we don't have Nathan Patterson to rely on anymore. I think 12 months ago, this would have been a really, really easy decision. Tav would not have played against Motherwell. Tav certainly wouldn't be playing against Dundee in midweek. Um, I have no fear about the likes of Adam Devine coming in to play against a team such as Dundee. Um, we, we've seen him a couple of times before and, and uh, that doesn't concern me or worry me in any way. Um, but longer term, we need... Yeah, I, I mean, you could see that the importance that the fullbacks have. Borna, for example, yesterday... Um, for, for all the, the the criticisms we can make about Borna Barisic, the the style of play there was so apparent. It was overlapping with Ryan Kent getting balls in the box. Um, we need the same down the right hand side, and and if Tav's not not able to do so, it it does fundamentally affect the way that we play. Yeah, you've made a good few points, Elgos. I, I think um, as a concern that you know really the only specialist player that we've got in that position is James Tavney and I think obviously at left back we've got guys like Bomber who I think possibly been our best player this season he's certainly one of our better ones anyway um, and obviously we brought in Yilmaz for, for quite a hefty fee so I think when you look at it if Bomber was to get injured for a few weeks or whatever yeah you can maybe play Yilmaz in there and you don't really have any fear about it Adam Devine, I think, as you said, yeah, I don't have a problem with him playing on Wednesday. I'll be shocked if he doesn't play. Um, but sort of moving forward, you do kind of feel that, you know, is, is, that, is that the best we can do if, you know, if I've not got, got a tab there? And I think even the problem with maybe signing a, a sort of backup or a, you know, or a makeshift right back or whatever to replace Tav is that I think the reason we done it for, for Barisic was because well, if you look at his performances last year, I think it was clear that we needed someone in now that could play at left back anyway in case his performances dipped. It just so happens that he's played well this season, so he's he's kept his place. But we know if he does dip in and out of form that Yilmaz is there. I think the, the opposite with Tav is the guy is consistently a top, top player for us and he's consistently never injured as well. So it's kind of like, can you really go and spend four, five, six million quid on like a backup right back when they're not going to play? Yeah, well, you know, add to that, he's a captain and he's a talisman. So, you know, all these things all add to it. So you want, you know, I suppose in an ideal world, you want a Nathan Patterson who's coming through the ranks to be the backup for him who you can rely on. I mean, Divine, you know, we don't know yet, you know, whether he has got what it takes to, to play uh, consistently at the, the top level. Um, I suppose the only way you find out is uh, by by throwing him in there. Um, but I, I, I would be fearful, you know, having to rely on him in a 
you know, a Champions League game against Napoli or, or Ajax, to be honest. I mean, you know, you know I, I, maybe I'm being unfair, but I think, you know, I don't think that's fair and it would be fair on him to to, to put him in that position. So, I, I, if we can avoid it. So, ideally, you want uh, to have to be uh, on full cylinders. But like like has been said, is you know, he's, he's clearly struggling. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, it looks like he's carrying an injury, or, or he's, there's, there's something definitely uh, not right there. Um, but you know, who 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 would you get? You know, most people looking at that are going to say, well, you know, as a player, my chances of breaking through into the team ahead of him are pretty slim because of all the everything we've just spoken about. So you would struggle to get somebody even to come in at, at that level anyway. I think with Barisic, I think most people probably. Assumed that he wouldn't be playing this season at all. I, 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 and I, to be honest, I didn't even think he would still be here at this stage of the season. I thought he would, he would have been sold in the, the transfer window. Um, and you know, he has played okay uh, uh, to, to the point that he's probably been difficult to drop. But that wasn't the case. That's not been the case with Tavernier. You know, he, what I mean is, you know, there was never any doubt that either you know, that, that Tavernier would be the first choice right back, and and you know that he, he's going to hold on to that position unless something goes badly wrong so uh, yeah um, it's a worry uh, that, that if, if he's now uh, struggling um, and if we lose him for any period of time given you know the other injury issues that we've got at the moment as well I mean it's uh, it's not just the positional uh, issues it's the, the experience and the, uh, the, the the character of the, the players that you don't really want to be missing from your team and he would be a, a major miss Oh yeah but he would be a major miss if he was to be out for, for any sort of period, to be honest, Let, let's face it. Um, moving on then to another player who he certainly seems does have competition um, for places, but he just doesn't seem to get dropped. I think he got dropped a couple of weeks ago, but that's been about that. And that's Ryan Ken. I mean, um, I'm, I'm going to try and be as, as polite and nice as I can here. I mean, this guy is really, really starting to annoy me now. Um, just, you know everything that he touched seems to be turning to um, you know what, I mean it's like, the man seems a shell of, you know, what he used to be, he doesn't seem to want to be taking players on um, I think the one thing that we know Kent had his bad performances last season, I think we all kind of accepted that but the one thing that, you know I, I used to do to stick up for him was say that, you know, he works hard and etc, etc to be honest, I think that's kind of went this season as well. I don't know if it's because he's in the last year of his contract and he wants to move away. I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know what the problem is. Only only he knows that and maybe you know other people at the club. But um, Ross, is this a player that, that you think we should be looking to try and just get whatever we can in January and maybe just get him off the books? Or, or is it someone that you would like to see at least until the end of the season? You never know, maybe you can give him a new contract. I'd like well if the option of a new contract is there, I'd still I'd still actually want that contract to be signed. Um we've been here before with Ryan Kent, maybe not quite so extreme and quite so badly, but uh, I I believe he's the ultimate confidence player and his confidence is clearly low. He's not scoring enough goals, not providing enough assists. Um it does seem that certain defenders have worked out what he's gonna do. Like he's going to try a wee step over and cut inside, and it's it's relatively easy to position yourself and stop that. Um, so it, it becomes a really difficult one because at the moment he's not really got any saleable value. Um, this this season has been poor, and we, we probably spoke two or three years ago about 
figures upwards of ten million pounds that we could be getting for Ryan Kent at the moment. No one's no one's coming in anywhere near that kind of value. So that puts us in this awful position now as we go into the January transfer window, giving him six months left on his deal. Um, there needs clearly within the club there needs to have been an honest conversation with him to find out what he wants. Um, if he wants to to move on, then yeah, you probably do take whatever you can get in January because he's not really again providing us with much value. I would like to think that we are going to recruit additional attacking wing play type players, creative players in the January window ourselves, regardless of what Kent does. Um, so if Kent wants to move on, then I would rather he go in January than um, that than he goes for nothing in the summer. However. If he does go for nothing in the summer, we always seem to sort of view these things as like we, we've we've really messed up and we should have done better. We should have got rid of him, and and, and maybe that's true. But it is still, you know, trying to put a silver lining on it. It would still be a lot of money off the wage bill that can be reinvested elsewhere, and and maybe that's just all it needs to be. He's not provided what we need him to provide this season. But like I said earlier, we have seen this before with Ryan Kent. I'm sure this happens every twelve to eighteen months with this boy where he needs to be dropped. He needs to take three or four games on the sidelines and then he comes back reinvigorated and, and ready to fight for his place again. Um, he needs a break, I think, uh, both in terms of a break from playing, but he also needs to catch a break. Like He needs something to go right for him. He needs one of his long shots to come off. He, he needs one of his sort of skill moves to, to, to lead to a good assist. And I think it will start to pick him up a little bit again. Um, but ultimately, you're sitting here now as a fan watching him and just getting more and more and more frustrated. And um, I think given the backdrop of everything else that's going on at Rangers, all the other frustrations that we have at the moment, as a fan, you don't feel that you want to give him too much sympathy right now. Like, uh, it's, it's just a really quite toxic feeling around the boy at the moment. And personally, I think that's a bit of a shame. But so that's a long-winded way of saying I'd still love to see like that, that, that player, the Ryan Kent we saw two years ago, the Ryan Kent of the, the 55 winning season, it's the same guy, he's still there. Um, so it, whether it's confidence or something else, I'd still love him to sign a new deal and I, I would believe he could get back to those levels. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you made a great point there. I mean, you're right in, in terms of he has the ultimate confidence player. That, that is what he needs to, to sort of go on and, and, and feed off. I mean, I also think you made a pretty interesting point there about the sort of possibly losing him in the summer and I know a lot of people saying oh that would be a disaster this that and the next thing because he costs so much money I mean I think the counter argument to that would be he costs us 7 million quid but we've kind of got 7 million quid worth of fun at him. <laughs> um, you know I think certainly some of the big moments that he's delivered in the past I'm not going to sit here and say that Ryan Kent's been a bad player for Rangers or he's been a waste of money for everything because you know I think I think the moments that he's provided is worth over the last 4 or 5 years if you include his loan deal um, I think have far outweighed the sort of negatives that you're getting um, sort of here, here and now. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think it would be a disaster to lose him for nothing the summer, but I do, I do think that there needs to be a decision made by someone. Um, I've got no doubt that you know a Leeds and Aston Villa will would come in in January and offer us something for Ken. Now, however much that may or may not be, I, I don't know, but let's just say maybe two, three million quid. You know, if you're lucky, someone comes in with that. I, I would rather if he's if he doesn't want to be here, if he's not going to sign a new contract, and that's affecting his performances. As far as I'm concerned, you take the two or three million quid or whatever it is, and you reinvest it in, you know, maybe a 
a, a 20, 21, 22 year old that might cost two or three million quid as well, who, you know, you know, wants to be here, you know, you're going to be able to sort of have a, a project type type thing with them. Someone kind of similar, I think, to Rabbi Matondo. And actually looking on it now, I think whilst Matondo's performances haven't been amazing this season, I think he's he's clearly a guy who prefers playing off the left as opposed to on the right. I've got a sneaky way um, suspicion that Rabbi Matondo might have actually been brought in to be muted as a sort of long-term successor to Ryan Kent over on the left-hand side. Is that something that, that you feel might have happened, Dean, as well? Um, <clears throat> well, it's possible. I mean, I, what, I, what I do think is that uh, that Kent's time is probably done, really, the Rangers now. I think every player has a shelf life and every player has, you know, comes to an end. You know, that, that time comes to a natural end. And I think we can, we're probably at that point. I think a new contract now, um, I can't see it invigorating them and turn, you know, making them suddenly turn these performances around. I think we've just sort of reached a point where, you know, that, that's it. And, you know, I'm not going to necessarily criticise him either because everything, you know, he's, he's been a great contributor over the years. Frustrating again sometimes, but I mean, he's, you know, like you say, the, the good has outweighed the, the, the bad by, by far. So, you know, I would send. I would say go. You know, if we can get money for him in January, we take it. If if not, he goes at the end of the season. But um, I I don't know about uh, in terms of Montondo. I don't know. I mean, I, uh, whether he's a. It, it felt to me almost like he was just a sort of stopgap player. Um, I don't. I don't see him being someone that we're going to uh, be sort of looking to for uh, for years to come. Uh, again, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but. Um, he's not he certainly hasn't filled me with uh, excitement so far I mean, he's, he's had some decent performances but he's he's not set the hell out of light by any stretch of the imagination but I, whether I, I've no idea what the uh, the thinking was behind him being, being brought in but I do think that you know there was possibly a feeling that Kent wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be here this season either I think there was maybe uh, a, a, suspe- a suspicion that he would have gone before the, the January transfer window maybe even I hope they would have gone before the January eh, the, the summer transfer uh, window closed maybe even I hope that that would be the case and either no one's come in for him or no one's come in with a, 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 an offer that uh, that he was interested in but uh, but yeah I, I do think he's he's probably reached that end, the end of his uh, his time here at Rangers and, and probably the best thing for everyone is that he moves on either in January or the end of the season in terms of the short term and whether he's he should be playing, I don't think you know. I don't think there's any point in in playing him. I mean, you know, I'm not a massive fan of somebody like uh, Wright or even Matondo at the moment, but neither of them have been any worse. Their, their overall contribution isn't any worse than his has been this this season. So you might as well just give them the chance and see what they can do. And, and then if that helps, can you know buck him up for the rest of the season? Then fine. If not, then you know what we lost. Because um, he's certainly not doing this at the moment. Yeah, that, that's the thing that really sort of frustrates me and confuses me the most. It's like we know Kent's playing badly and he's been doing it consistently for, for quite a few months now, but the guy just seems undrobbled despite the fact that we do have two or three players there that, you know, that can, in theory, step in for him. I mean, we kind of discussed Tav, Tavell, and it's like, well, Tav's in a position where, you know, even if he doesn't play to his best every week, you know, he's still going to keep his place in the team, but he does he does give his best every week, you know. Um, obviously, you expect that for Rangers player, never mind the captain, but, you know, 
that that's kind of maybe a, a good comparison to me because like I've got a player in Tab there who clearly is undroppable. We all know that, but yet he still goes in and puts in the performances week in, week out. Whereas we can, it's like there's two or three players um, you know, in and around that, that vicinity, that position, and it's like the performances just aren't there. I mean, as you said, Ian, it's like, you know, I've got Scott Wright there, I've got Matondo, these are guys who, even Sakala as well, you know, we've seen him play off the left. I mean, these are people who, yeah, maybe Rangers fans haven't exactly fallen in love with them so far, but, you know, they're our players and they're, they're going to be our players for, for a, you know, a pretty reasonable period of time for another couple of years at least on paper. So the way that I'm thinking is why why would you sort of go with that instead of a guy who is is going to to leave eventually, so it seems. I mean, Ross, just just finally on Ken, just ask your opinion on this. I mean, do you think maybe the reason that, that G wasn't dropping is because he is capable of just producing those big moments? And do you think it's maybe a a sentimentality thing where he's maybe thinking, well, you know, he's a wee bit short in confidence, but he will get it right Monday. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think that the potential performance you're going to get from Ryan Kent is greater than the potential performance you're going to get from Scott Wright or Ravi Matondo. I think that's, I th- honestly I think it's as simple as that. You're kind of there going, at some point he's going to have a good game. Um, because also, you know, Ravi Matondo, uh, Malik Tillman, Scott Wright, Fashion Sakala, Let's not let's not pretend that they're all consistently banging out seven out of ten performances. Each and every one of those has had substandard performances in the last three months um, that, that that are equally frustrating and to a degree play themselves out of contention as well. So unfortunately, Gio doesn't have the luxury of a consistent winger on on either side, the left or right. Um, and it goes back to that old argument, oh, if they were more consistent, they wouldn't be playing for Rangers. Uh, I accept that they wouldn't be playing in Scotland. But I, I feel that with consistent inconsistency in, in the wide positions, he has to choose the guy who's got the potential for the highest calibre of performance, and that still is Ryan Kent, in my opinion. So I don't think it's anything more than that. I think he's simply going, at some point, this guy's going to have a good game, and when he does... It will be a really, really good game, and let's hope it's today. Yeah, made a good few points there, Ross. Um, so that that's us kind of finished on on the game yesterday. We do have a game coming up on Wednesday that we all touch on um, just before we finish up today. Dundee at home in the League Cup. Um, you know, it's got all the hallmarks of, of one of those sort of perfect games on paper. You know, it's at home against a you know a lower division team who's not doing very, very well. Um, you know, I think we all know that. It's a must win, I think. You know, as we know, if the game at Rangers is a must win, never mind a cup game at home to Dundee. Um, not a very good Dundee as well. Um, but obviously, you need to go out and you need to work for those victories. You don't get um, the man needing a plate. Personally, I think this is another opportunity, very similar to the Queen of the South game, to see not just fringe players, but um, you know, youth players come in. I think Leon King's probably a set to start, as is Charlie McCann. I don't know if he'll go with Robbie Ure up front again, like he did for Queen of the South. I know he did do very well and scored and whatnot, but I think, you know, with Sakala coming back into form, I think, you know, Ruth may or may not be in the squads. I think he'll be looking to maybe get more game to him, maybe even Morelos to, to get him, him up to speed as well. Um, and hopefully with, with the way that, that Tav's going, we see Adam Devine come in for him and put in another good performance. Ian, in terms of the team, I, I, I noted down earlier, you know, 
do we make a lot of changes and, and whatnot, or do we just sort of play it safe and inverted commas? And I said safe because, well, you know, the Rangers sort of best start the living, as we know just now, have we all been pulling off top draw performances, so will it really be safe? But at the end of the day, as a cup game, it's a quarterfinals, you know, clearly it is a must win because I feel lose you're out the cup, so... What do you think? Do you think we should make a few changes? I'll, I'll just go with our strongest album for that one. No, I think we should make some changes, but I don't think you want to make 11 changes, obviously. So, I mean, it's getting the balance right, isn't it? Yeah. Because, uh, you know, the consequences of losing this game would be massive, you know, absolutely massive. I mean, you mentioned earlier, with, you know, would a defeat against Dundee in this game mean the end of... Van Bronckhurst's career, I think Rangers, yeah, I think probably would. I think if we lost, he would be sacked. Um, and obviously, that's going to be in the back of his mind when when he picks his team. But at the same time, you know, if you can't play fringe players or younger players in games like this, then when are you going to play them? So you know, th- this is the opportunity we've got. You know, the only opportunity these guys. We- to see whether these guys are up to it or not. So we have to give them, some of them, a, a chance. But wholesale changes, it's always risky. You know, if you, you know, seen it before in, in uh, cup games uh, under Gerard, where we, we lost games uh, that uh, really we shouldn't have lost. And uh, and largely that was down to making uh, what you might call unnecessary changes um, uh, to the team. So I think you have to be careful and you have to, you know, have a core of uh, experience and, 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 and reliable players in there. But but yeah, let's let's see the uh, uh, Divine coming in. Let's uh, see McCann play um, and some of the other guys like Sakala, who are not youth players, obviously, but, uh, but are, are not necessarily starters. I would also uh, be inclined to play uh, Morelos uh, on Wednesday, I think. You know, he needs more game time and he needs to send the perfect opportunity for him to, to bag a few goals. I mean, if he can, you know, that, that, that would be a massive for him. And, and, and I think I think that's, uh, you know, we really need to see Morelos backfiring in all cylinders. I know Jolak's been good, but uh, but I think, you know, at their best, you know, Morelos would be, you know, by far the the, the first choice uh, between the two of them. So, uh, so. You know, I want to see him playing at his best. Uh, let's hope he gets back to that and, and, and you know, give him a chance uh, to get some confidence and, and score some goals. Yeah, I mean, in fairness to Morelos, he's got a pretty pretty decent record against him, the Ibrox over the last few years. So, yeah, I, I do hope that he starts as well. I mean, Ross, at the end of the day, we could all, you know, sit here doing going about Rangers and whatnot, but th- this is a game at home against the league opposition, a chance to go to Hamden, a chance to win another cup and at the end of the day, we've been starved of, of you know, trophy success over the last 10 years or so. Um, and it's something that we crave. I think a lot of people, when you look at it, you maybe think, if you had to sacrifice one out of the, out of the three domestic trophies, I think most people would say the League Cup. But at the end of the day, I'm not wanting to be sacrificing anything. Um, it's like in Jungle Run, you don't want to go in and just win the, the wee bronze statue. You want to go in and go to the golden, the golden statue and bring them all back. That's what I want to do every year with Rangers. I want us to go play our best team on Wednesday, well, the best team that they can, go out, put on a good performance, maybe get the confidence back and go on and win this cup. But I think at the end of the day, that, that's what we all want here, isn't it? I mean, first things first, Alfred, I have no idea what Jungle Run is. Am I oh, come on. I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> you must, you know, what the hell? Run. You must have seen Jungle Run. Come on, it was brilliant. No idea. No. Um, the League Cup is the one that's eluded us since we came back up to the, to the top flight 
Um, we've not won it for, for years and years and years. We've come very close. Um, so there's no excuse for not putting in a professional performance and getting to Hampton. Um, as, as a Rangers supporter, we demand, it's, a, it's such a cliche and I hate saying it, but we demand and expect victory in every single game. Um, there's a lot of pressure on this game because it is, it's, it's a potential banana skin. Um, but I, there's, there's simply no excuse. Dundee are not in good form. You look at the league table um, for the championship there. I think they're fourth, but they're only off sixth by goal difference. Um, it's not a particularly strong league there. We have simply got no excuse for, for not comfortably and professionally. Look, I'm not one of these guys who says we should win this 5 6 7 8 nil. Um, but this should be a comfortable and professional job on, on Wednesday. And um, quite frankly, I don't think we should expect anything less. No, absolutely. And I think that's um, a good point to, to wrap up on there, a wee bit of positivity, as we all love on this podcast. Um, thanks very much, guys, for um, for tuning in today. Um, as we say, apologies for the, the slight delay by a day, but um, we hope you've br- uh, brightened up uh, your Monday a wee bit further. Um, so, Ian, thanks very much for joining me. Cheers. You're welcome. Ross, thanks very much for joining us. Ah, thank you for having me. No worries, I've been Craig Gray. And just remember as well, you can go over to a brand new website over at www.gelsnet.co.uk um, where you can see um, all the new features that that has to offer. Um, and we'll be back on Friday um, with uh, the Dundee review and also a preview of the Livingston game. So thanks very much, guys, for tuning in at home. As we say, thanks very much. I'm Craig Gray and thank you for listening. Bye-bye.